All right, good morning. Um, we, we really hope and pray that everybody is okay wherever you are this morning, uh, worshiping with us. And I, obviously, we wish we could be here, but uh, the conditions just do not warrant that. And uh, so even though ideally we would like for you to be here, um, we're glad you're here with us online and glad that we can worship together, at least in this way. And I'm really thankful for the men who make this happen. People like Jeremy and Jeremy Jones and Todd English and Chris Langley and Billy Martin, they're all here making sure that we can worship together and I'm, I'm really thankful for that. We have a, several men also here that's gonna participate in our worship. And so uh, Jeremy Jones will be leading our singing and Bo Gross will do our Bible reading uh, this morning. Doug Smith is here. He'll lead us in our opening prayer. Um, Brother Ken will lead us in our message this morning. Tommy Baragona will have our Lord's Supper and lead us in that moment of worship. And then we have Randy Moore who will close us out with announcements and prayer. So before we get started this morning, I would like to read to you 1 Chronicles 16, 29. It says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And that's what we're going to do today, the best we possibly can, of course. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift you up. We thank you for every day you grant us to serve you and to glorify you. And we're, of course, thankful for every first day of the week that we have to worship you. And so, Father, today we ask you to be with our worship. In whatever situation we are, in whatever place we are, I pray that you clear our minds and you open our hearts and you allow us to focus, not allow us, but you help us focus on you. And, uh, Father, we want to give you our all this morning. And so help us do that today. And, Father, of course, we need to pray for those who maybe are struggling at this time, and we, we want to lift those individuals up. And uh, Father, whatever needs they may have, help it be known so we can serve them and help them during these times as we try to get back to normal as soon as we can. Father, we thank you so much for how you bless us, and we thank you for the opportunity we have this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Song's gonna be, We Praise Thee, O God. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Spirit of life who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, Thine the glory. Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, 
revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb who was slain, who has borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the God of all grace, who has bought us and sought us and guided our ways. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. There is an endless song echoes in my soul. I hear the music ring. And though the storms may come, I am holding on. And to the rock I cling. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. I will lift my eyes in the darkest night, for I know my Savior lives. And I will walk with you, knowing you'll see me through, and sing the songs you give. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing!
sing is your love. How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart. I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. A merciful and kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace and mercy on this most beautiful Lord's Day morning. We recognize your tremendous power, your majesty, your righteousness and holiness. And Father, we are so thankful for you and for all that you continue to do for us on a daily basis. Fathers, we come before you today as we worship you. We pray that you'll bless those that are watching today online. We pray that we will put our focus entirely upon you and praise your great and holy name even though we're not together this morning like we would certainly like to be. Father, there are many that we know that are sick right now. There are those that just have had surgeries, those that are home, those that are shut in. Father, we pray that you would be with each one of these. You know their needs, Father, and we pray not only for those that are dealing with various illnesses, but we pray for those who are attending to their needs as well, Father. Please bless them and be with them as only you can. And Father, we ask your continued blessings upon those who grieve over the loss of loved ones. We pray that your help and consolation and peace would be upon each of them. And Father, we're so thankful for the church that meets here at Boonville. In times like these, when we're not able to assemble, it makes us appreciate more the family of God that meets here and our dependence upon you and upon God's family. And we pray, Father, that we'll never take for granted the privilege that we have of being a child of God and a member of uh, your glorious church. Father, we pray that uh, those that are in this storm and those that are still shut in will be kept safe. We pray that uh, all the things that are being done will be done so that everybody will be in a place of safety. And Father, we are mindful of those that are going through such difficult times right now. We pray that you would bless them. Father, continue to bless the leaders of this church. Please continue to pray for our Bible school teachers and our deacons and those that serve in various capacities. And Father, we pray that you would continue to help this congregation to be a shining light in your community and to bring glory and honor to your name. Father, we're mostly thankful for your son, Jesus, who gave his life on the cross for our sins. We're so thankful for that sacrifice and his willingness to come and shed his blood so that our sins might be washed away and that we would stand before you having hope when this life is over. And it's in your son's name that we ask these things and pray. Amen. Before Bo comes and leads us in scripture, we'll uh, sing Bind Us Together and then A Common Love. 
Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. There is only one God, there is only one King, there is only one body, that is why we can sing. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord, a common strength when we're weary, a common hope for tomorrow, a common joy in the truth of God's Word. Scripture reading this morning will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And probably still in your pajamas. It reminds me of the COVID years as it might you today. And I will tell you that back in those days, it was quiet in this building as just a few gathered together in order to produce a worship service for online use. And uh, Dee Worley, she took some time one week and made these little cutouts and put little silhouettes all throughout this auditorium so that there would be the feeling of a family gathered here today. None of us want to go back to those years. We do, as Doug mentioned in his prayer. We love being together. We love the fellowship. We love to spend time talking with one another and just sharing. But there are occasions, and we're thankful for the technology that makes it possible, where we have to be apart for a time. 
And so I am hopeful that we can center our minds and our spirits, our hearts on worship. I'm sure there are lots of distractions around you where you are right now, but our prayer is that we can use this medium in order to have a time spiritually together, even though we're apart. And it reminded me of several folks that use this regularly because they're in places or circumstances they can't be with us. Uh, Treva Brown is with us every Sunday online. Can't make it here, but she even uh, reached out to us, become members of this congregation because of her love for the people here and what we're doing. I think of Jonathan Timms, who's in a far off country, serving his country in the military, but he is usually with us on a Sunday in order to participate with his church family. Now, I know there are other people that are stranded in places and we're looking for an alternative. And you may not be members of this congregation, but you've taken advantage of what we're able to offer here today. And you're a part of our worship today. So we're thankful for you and for others who may be even accidentally tuned in to be a part of our service here today. I really appreciate the affection and the love that often shines because of difficult times like we're facing. Me shut in for a week because of snow and ice is no easy ordeal. Personally, I've been shut up with my mother-in-law, my daughter-in-law, a little baby, and two kitty cats along with my wife. And it's a struggle, it's real. <laughs> About a day into it, we thought we had all the provisions necessary and all of a sudden we looked around and Anita was out of Diet Mountain Dew. And so Bo Gross came to the rescue and delivered. And we did okay until the cats ran out of food. And let me tell you, if you have a cat that runs out of food, they will harass you forever until they're satisfied. So Dale Kendrick came to my rescue and he helped us to secure some cat food and some other things. I have heard about folks' pipes busting in their houses and water everywhere. I've heard of all kinds of emergencies. And when those things happened, the beautiful rest of the story was that folks came to their aid. Love one another enough even to risk maybe being stranded in order to go see to the care, the help of someone in need. I love stories like that about family, of loving each other. Today, we're going to talk about the kind of love that makes a difference. And as Bo read for us a moment ago, there are some things that we hold on to tightly, faith, hope. The other one is love. Faith and hope are going to eventually pass away, as we'll see in a moment. But that love is something that's going to be here forever. We'd best learn how to love to the fullest, to have the kind of love that makes a difference. Before we start that, it's kind of my habit to pray to God. And with the handful of men that are assembled here together, we're going to be praying. But we're asking you, even with the distractions that are around you, to focus intently upon our prayers. We're going to ask God to help us in this few minutes together as we study that 
God's word will become very effective in us. And especially this lesson about the power of love. It will help us to be better in our relationships. Let's bow together. Our Father, we thank you for this time, unusual though it is, to be assembled in so many places, but brought together through this medium. And we pray, Father, that even in our distant places, wherever we might be, that we can feel one with the people who are assembled here and focusing intently upon the same message that you have prepared for us. I pray, Lord, that you will make those distractions as small as possible and that we can focus very intently and carefully upon what you have said. Lord, help me to communicate in a way that will be helpful to that end to keep people's attention on the things that are important. And help me to convey your message like you intended for it to be conveyed. I pray for those who hear it that they find some things here that are going to help them. I pray, Lord, that our love will always be present, that it will be radical, unfailing, and eternal. Thank you for the benefit that you offer each of us in the study of that word to the strengthening of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus emphasized in his teaching, seems like continually, though it was broad reaching and dealt with a lot of different subjects, Jesus always emphasized so much the importance of loving one another. When confronted by a lawyer in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40 is the story, but this lawyer comes to Jesus wanting to know what the great commandment is, the first one, the most important. And Jesus said, well, you know, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he said, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus would kind of boil that down a little bit for us as disciples and maybe the greatest emphasis regarding love in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I think the challenging part, well, maybe a couple of challenging things, Number one, love like I'm loving. That's different. Because that is always a, a selfless giving kind of love. But he said, love like I do. And then love in such a way that when people see you doing that, they know that you're mine. You know, it will be evident to them by the way you treat other people that you are loving like I love. Now, Jesus' love in his time was extraordinary. It made him different. And Jesus is pointing to the fact that that kind of love, if we will express it, will make us different too. And we'll so easily, we'll so apparently 
align all of us with Jesus. In his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus said, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Well, he already said that the law and the prophets was summed up in the idea of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So here he's just reemphasizing that very concept. Whatever you want men to do to you, you do it to them. Now, the idea is they may not do it to you. <laughs> you know, it's not if you will treat me nice, I'll treat you nice back. The idea is, well, it doesn't really matter what you do. I want to be loved. So whether you love me or not, I'm going, I'm going to love you. I want to state something that I think is pretty obvious and It'll sound obvious at first, but I'm, I'm just not sure that all of us think this way. We have in our mind that, boy, if you're a Christian or you're in the church, you identify with Jesus, you should be perfect. You know, you, you, should, you should be the embodiment of all these things we're going to talk about. But that's not, that's not practically true. In fact, I will say that as regards the ideal of what God set forth as being the church, that the church in its ideal state, the thing that we are striving for, that is perfect. The church is perfect. What you read about in the scriptures regarding God's desire for the church, that is perfect. What is not perfect is us, people. Church is perfect, men, women, in the church, they're not perfect. And, and I'll give you an example of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 describes the church that was in Corinth as God's church. I mean, these people were God's people. However, as you begin to read this book, <laughs> you see a massive amount of trouble, of imperfection. In the very first two chapters, he deals with division. In the third chapter, they're acting like a bunch of babies. In the fourth chapter, they're proud and puffed up. And then in the fifth chapter, that manifested itself in the very idea that a man that is in the worst kind of immorality, that he has his own father's wife, is being accepted in the body. What in the world? In chapter six, you've got a problem where more affluent members of the church are taking poorer members of the church to court, taking advantage of them. In chapter 7, you've got some issues between married couples. How, how do I maintain my Christianity if I'm married to someone who's not a Christian? Things like that. In chapters 8 and 9, you've got the rich who don't understand the poor, the strong who don't understand the weak. You've got weak people who in their destitute situation don't understand the thinking of the stronger members, the more affluent, and there is a cultural divide that exists there. In chapter 10, you've got some folks who are throwing up their hands now and saying, you know what, just, just forget Christianity altogether. I want to go back to what it was like when I was a Jew. I want to go back to the law of Moses. In chapter 11, you've got questions about 
men and women and their roles in the church and questions about the Lord's Supper itself. In chapter 12, this is a church that was so well thought of and so, so exclusive, I guess in some ways, pampered by Paul and, and others that practically every, every member had been blessed with miraculous abilities. And yet, they're supposed to be members working together with those abilities to God's glory, but they're only using them for their own glory. Very selfish. In chapter 14, that had spilled over into their worship assemblies, and it was just an embarrassment. If there was a visitor that came in, they didn't even know what was going on. With a group of people like that, we would even question whether they are the church. But as I mentioned, the very, one of the very first things he said was, these are my people. What I did not mention was something that's found in this book that seems out of place. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Some people have described it as being the greatest treatise on love that was ever written. And I don't dispute that that is true. But what is a little bit unexpected is that you would find this beautiful piece of literature in the midst of a letter that is riddled with all sorts of problems. Is that by accident? Did, did somebody somehow just, they were assembling, you know, manuscripts and they were shuffling papers together and, oh, here was this, this uh, description of love that was sitting on the table just got kind of mashed together. Is that what happened? I, I don't think so. I think that the idea of the absoluteness of the love that reflects the love of Jesus Christ is found in the midst of a letter to a church with more problems than you can imagine because he is putting within the body of this letter the one thing that will solve all those problems. What kind of love do you have? Do you have just an affection for people? Or do you have the kind of love that really makes a difference? The kind of love that makes a difference, I would say, is the kind of love that is present. In the first three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become as sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. When I say that love has to be present, I mean that love has to be mingled with every single thing that we do. For example, he says, even if, even if you, you are such an orator that it is like music to the ears of your hearers, even if the words that you speak literally could sway the thinking of angels themselves, but, but you don't have love for the people that you're speaking with, 
He said, really what that amounts to is a big fat zero. Though you have the gift of prophecy, and while we don't have the miraculous gift of prophecy today, prophecy was the means by which one specially endowed could speak for God. You know, today we have the marvelous Bible, the written word of God. We have the message that God wants us to hear. And it is possible for a person to take that message and to expound it in such marvelous ways. And it just seems like there are some teachers who can take the word of God and express it in simple terms. And we just, we get it. But he says, even if you've got somebody who can handle the message of God with such eloquence, but that is not mixed with love in that message. He said, that's a zero. Though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains. And maybe when you heard that the first time, maybe there was a flash in your mind to somebody that just epitomized the faith for you. And all of us have those stories. I, I remember folks who, even though so debilitated by physical disease, rolled themselves into every worship service. If, if there were snow on the ground like it is today with ice, they would have still found some way to be here against everybody's recommendation. We know those names or the people who have gone on before us who are instrumental in building our own faith and the reason that we follow after them or we use them as an example is because we can point to that moment or that series of moments where against all odds they stood up for God. Those just inspire us. But he said, though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. He said, though, I'm the kind of person who is benevolent. I'd give the shirt off my back. And you know those people too. They would give of their best so that you could have. They would suffer themselves. They just want to see good things happen for you. Even a person who is benevolent like that, who cares about you, who wants to share, he said, even though they're willing to give to the uttermost, if they do it for some reason other than love, maybe they just want to get their name in the paper. Maybe they just want a picture. Maybe they just want the acclaim. He said, if they do those things without love, it's a big zero. And then he says, even if, they give their body to be burned. There are volumes of books written about martyrs to the faith. And if you will read those accounts of the faith that those people seemed to have, the dedication that they had to Jesus, to give the uttermost their own life for the cause, you would be astounded. And it, and it makes us, it does me, it makes me feel small compared to the sacrifices that they made. But Paul, by inspiration, says that even if you're willing to die for the cause of Jesus Christ, but it's not motivated out of love, it, it is not worth anything spiritually. 
I don't know if you've ever asked this question or not, but I think it's right to the point here today. You think it's possible that we sometimes do the right thing for the wrong reason? Even Jesus, right there in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, he describes people who gave alms, who prayed, and who fasted. But many of them, he said, did it to be seen by men. And then he adds this, they have their reward. What does that mean, Ken? Well, he was saying that their desire was the attention of men. They gave large sums into the treasury. They prayed on the corners of the streets and in the synagogues. They fasted and they looked pathetic, but they did it so that others would see them. They were receiving the glory of men and Jesus says they have their reward. In other words, they've gotten exactly what they wanted. It might be that people will make a name for them. It might be that great stories will be told about how amazing and awesome they were. But Jesus says if they didn't do it for the right reason, if they didn't do it as having been motivated by love for others, then it is not accepted by God. It is, it is a big, fat zero. Let's be certain that whatever it is that we do for the Lord, that we do what we do, not for our own attention, not for the acclaim of men, but we do it out of the singular motivation of love for God and love for others. Make sure that the kind of love you have makes a difference because it's present in everything that you do. The kind of love that makes a difference is also radical. Uh, beginning at verse 4, he says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. And then I'm going to add that first part of verse 8 where he says, Love never fails. Wow. He is not defining love. I, I know sometimes maybe you're in a, a seminar or maybe you're in a classroom and the teacher will say, define love for me. And someone will quickly turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4 and, and read those few verses right there through verse 7, the first part of verse 8. And they'll say, there it is right there, definition. God, by inspiration, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, is not is not giving us a definition of love. He is, de he is describing love for us. Did you ever have, and I guess maybe I'm going to embarrass myself, but did you ever have one of those little crystal things that you hung from 
your rear view mirror on your car. <laughs> Maybe you didn't, but I remember having one of those. And what's, what's great about it is that when the light hits that crystal, the crystal refracts the light. It takes it into its various components, breaks them out and sends the light in different directions. And that's similar to what the Holy Spirit is doing right here. So let me, let me describe love for you. And here are its various components. I love to see all of the elements that God says make up the kind of love that's going to make a difference, the kind of love that Jesus had. I once heard someone say that there are three kinds of, of love. They said, well, there is the if love, I-F, if, if love. It's a manipulative kind of love. It says, I will love you if, and then you'll do this or that for me. I've seen a lot of teenage girls in particular manipulated by that kind of quote unquote love. If you'll do this, then I will love you. Let me tell you something. That is no love at all. That's selfish on the part of the speaker. There's the because love. And I would say while, while this isn't a complete kind of love, it is a fun sort of love. I've been in marriage classes before where someone will say, well, why do you love your spouse? You'll say, well, I love them because they're, they're beautiful. I love them because they're smart. I love them because oh, a good cook. I love them because, and just on and on with different things. Good provider, on and on. Why do I love so-and-so? I love them because of this. That's, that's fun. That's a good kind of exercise. But I'm going to tell you, that's not a complete love. If I love you because you're beautiful then what happens when your beauty fades? If I love you because you have a good job, you're a good provider, what happens when you lose your job? I love you because you're athletic. What happens when you're no longer able to do the things you once were able to do? Does that mean that love fails in that regard? Incomplete. That's not a love I can count on. It's fun fun to talk about those things, but that isn't the ultimate kind of love. The third kind of love, the ultimate love, is the anyway sort of love. No matter what, I love you anyway. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, I am committed to you Anyway, now that's the kind of love that Jesus has for us. You know the text from Romans chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8, that when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I'll just be honest, lost people, people who are in sin doing their own thing, they're not very nice a lot of the times. But Jesus loved us anyway. So what would that kind of love mean for me? I I was scanning over the list of things that he used to describe love. And there's one little part there where he said that love thinks no evil. Right there is a major speed bump for a lot of us. Oh, the being puffed up stuff and envying. Most of us don't have any problem with that. We're just, you know, we're good friends. But thinking no evil? How quick are we to listen to the slanderous words of others regarding someone we love? How many times have we heard some salacious story and thought, well, wow, I never thought. Somehow we, at least for a moment, find satisfaction in that bad news. That's not what love does. Love thinks no evil. let's, Let's turn that around. The idea is that love always thinks the best. I'll never forget, I had a cousin who got into some very serious trouble one time. And... My other family members ran to my grandmother to tell her all about it. You know what she said? She said, I don't believe it. Yeah, but here's the proof and here's what would... I don't believe it. Jesus, despite our sin, loved us anyway. There are several terms that... Love, the word love comes from in the Greek language. There's eros, which is like a carnal sort of love, a sexual attraction. That word's not even found in our Bible. There's the word storge, and that is a family kind of love. Actually, the word by itself is not found either. It is found coupled with another word, phileo, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, to be kindly affectionate to one another. So he combined storge and phileo. Let's pull out storge for a moment. That word literally describes the affection that we have in a family. Because we are family members, we just love. That black sheep in the family, they still come to the family reunions. (laughs) We, We cringe when we see them, but we still love them. They're part of our family. And if you don't know who that person is, (laughs) it might be you. (laughs) Nevertheless, we're a family and we just accept everybody because we're a part of the same unit. Phileo is a little different. Phileo is oftentimes accompanied with the idea of brotherhood, but it really describes affection. I have affection for you. And Jesus played that word game with Peter, remember? When he asked him if he loved him, Jesus used phileo often and ended with agape. And Peter just kept responding in dismay. The Lord doesn't even know for sure if I even like him or not. Our behavior is telling, isn't it? Do I just have affection for somebody? Or do I really 
the fourth word, agape. Do I really care for them regardless? Do I have affection? Will I reach out to them? Even if we might say, I, I, don't, I don't like the things they do. I don't like what they stand for, but I'm going to care for them anyway. How does that affect my Christianity? How does that affect me practically? In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and following, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. You say, well, there it is. I can't be perfect. You know, so that's not what he's, he's not saying that you are without flaw. He's telling you to love completely. What does complete love look like? Well, it's loving people we like. And it's loving people that we don't like so much. God still sends the rain. He still sends the sunshine on the righteous and the unrighteous. God loves, God cares for everybody. He says, be perfect like God is perfect. Love the unlovable. Love your enemies. And how does that apply to God? Well, we see it there. And we see it in the most famous text, I guess most people can quote, from John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, to this degree God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here is the expression of love. God sent his son to die for you. He didn't send his son just to come here and wipe you out. He came to save you. As we saw, even when we are in sin. The kind of love that makes a difference is the kind of love that is unfailing. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Love, he says, to these Corinthians who were so in love with their miraculous abilities, he says love is greater than those things. In fact, it transcends those things. And he uses three examples of the nine that were mentioned in the previous chapter, just as an example. Prophecy, tongues, knowledge, whatever it is that you've got. Love is greater than that. And he uses two examples, two illustrations to highlight that fact. He says, you know, like when you're a child, you play with toys. Well, when you grow up, you don't play with those toys anymore. You mature, you become, in this case, a man. 
You leave your childish toys, the miraculous gifts behind, and you mature in love. It's like a person who looks in a mirror. And in their time, they didn't have these silver-backed mirrors like we have. They maybe have a, a pan or a piece of brass or something that's been beaten pretty flat and polished. And they can see a reflection. It's not perfect, but they kind of tell what they look like. Or they could go to a stream of water and see the reflection there. It's not perfect, but they get an idea of what they look like. He says... There's that, and then there's looking at somebody face to face. I mean, you see everything. You see them perfectly. When you're operating with the miraculous gifts, it's imperfect. You don't even have, through that means, the completed word. But he says, that which is imperfect now is going to be completed. And when you have that, you will have the whole. But you won't have the miraculous anymore. What will you have? Here was a church that was fussing and fighting, envious of one another, dividing. He says there's going to come a day when as much as the miraculous has been identifying you as the church, one of these days those things are going to be gone. And here's my question for you. When those things are gone, what's going to identify you then? It won't be this fussing and fighting. It won't be this division. The thing that Jesus said identifies us is our love for one another, an unfailing love. It's that kind of love that makes a real difference in the world. And I would say that the kind of love that makes a difference is a kind of love that is eternal. The very last verse of our text. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. I, I can hear it right now. Ken, whoa, whoa. Is he, you know, is he just kind of going off script right there a little bit? I mean, seriously, how can you say that one of those things is any greater than the others. For instance, faith. All of us know Hebrews 11 verse 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Ken, don't you know that we have to have faith? Well, that's true on this side of the matter. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9 says that the salvation of your soul is the completeness of your faith. Your faith, in the end, it's not going to matter once the end comes. We'll have our salvation. We're not aspiring to anything anymore. Faith will be lost in sight. The end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay, well, what about hope? Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 says that hope is the anchor of the soul. We've we got to have that. And yeah, I'd say that's true, you know, on this side. But Romans chapter 8 verse 24 says that hope is going to be lost in the realization 
of that hope. You don't hope for something that you see. Once we have salvation, once we're with the Lord, we're not hoping for any more. We're not hoping for it anymore because we'll have it. So faith and hope will be lost in the realization of heaven someday. But what about love? Will love end? <laughs> no. Love, love is eternal. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says that God is love. You thought about this, that you are never any more like God than when you love. I want to say that love's pretty important. Jesus thought it was, and it comes out in all of his teachings. He challenges us to love like he loves. And my question is, we've just had a short review of these things. Do you have the kind of love that makes a difference? Does your love express itself in some of the ways that we've talked about here today? If not, the challenge for us today is to make sure that that, that light in us is shining brightly. I gave you some examples of stories I've heard over the week of people who just, they loved and they acted out of their love. Let's be sure that we act out of love as well. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, that scripture says, let us not love in word or in tongue, not just saying it, but in deed and in truth by our actions. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, we thank you for this time that we've had to study your word together. I pray that as was, this was the number one thing. This is the thing that identifies us with you. And I pray, Lord, that our love will be evident to all. Lord, if we're lacking in those ways, uh, please, please motivate us. Open our eyes to the needs around us and let's be loving and compassionate toward one another. Thank you, Lord, for this medium that we've had today to be able to worship together despite the weather and the threats around us. And we look forward to the joy we have in attending to one another's needs, even in worship. Uh, thank you for the blessing of that and bless us through the furtherance of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Before Brother Tommy leads us in the Lord's Supper and partaking of it and guiding our thoughts there, we'll sing Living Hope together. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name. 
into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope, who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory, to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion Declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are 
my living hope. As we come to this part of our worship service, it's a time of remembrance, of remembering the love of God who was willing to send his son to this earth so that we could have salvation. Would you bow with me? Our Father, as we partake of this, the loaf, we're thankful for the sacrifice that you were willing to make for us and for the love that you've shown to us through sending your Son to allow us to have an avenue of forgiveness and an avenue to live with you for an eternity if we live right on this earth. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us again bow. Father, thank you for the fruit of the vine, which to us as a Christian represents the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross. And we know it was only through the shedding of innocent blood that we can have remission of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning services here at the Boonville Church of Christ. On this sunny, cold January the 21st, 2024, we had a total of 12 in services this morning and many, many more watching on Facebook today. I just have a few announcements. The Golden Circle breakfast that's scheduled for tomorrow has been canceled. Also, the nursing home service for this afternoon has been canceled. And there will be no services tonight. But you can always watch the morning services again on Facebook tonight. And that is all the announcements that I have. At this time, we're going to have our closing prayer. Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day you've given us and the opportunity that we've had to hear your word preached this morning, either in person or online. Lord, thank you for this medium that we have to be able to worship you. Thank you, Lord, most of all for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Now, Lord, go with us as we go to our homes. Protect us, watch over us. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.